Welcome to the podcast for We Hope Glasgow. We're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to this message from Sunday. May it be a blessing to you today. All right, good morning, church. We are in the middle of a prayer series on, uh, I guess, a combined prayer series with Belfast, our church over in Belfast, during these 50 days of prayer where we're having different ones of the pastors do different messages, the same message in Belfast and in Glasgow, and we're kind of back and forth. Crooksy is over there teaching the message that he brought last week here, and I'm, I taught last week in Belfast, and I'm doing that here. And for the next two weeks, Ruth is going to be teaching, and Josh Binstead, and they're going to be kind of rotating back and forth over the, the campuses. But we're talking about prayer during these, these six weeks, and with the hope that your confidence in prayer that your understanding about prayer, that your frequency of prayer, that your maturity in prayer, that your effectiveness in prayer goes, goes up for all of us, that, that we all increase. In, and maybe we're reminded of things that we've long forgotten or we start applying things that we remember kind of now, but, but we've kind of let those things drift. Uh, today I get the joy and the impossible task of addressing the topic of spiritual warfare as it pertains to prayer. Spiritual warfare as it pertains to prayer. Basically, spiritual warfare praying is this idea of praying against what, uh, or commanding against, or speaking against what Satan and the, and the demonic forces are doing, and or praying the opposite, praying for God to bring in the opposite into a situation, a context, a setting, a city, all that kind of stuff. So we're going to be talking about that today. Now, it's a ridiculously huge topic, and there's no way that I can adequately uh, cover everything that I would, I would want to do today. I'm, I'm significantly embarrassed about all the things that I'm not going to be saying, but I do believe today is going to be helpful. I believe it's going to be helpful and pretty practical. So due to t- some time constraints here, I'm not going to spend any time trying to convince you that the spiritual battle is real. Now, I should. I should spend time convincing you. I know that there's many Bible-believing Christians out there, uh, out, out there who, who don't really believe or take seriously any comments in the Bible pertaining to the very real impact of angels or the very real impact and reality of, of demons and this great spiritual battle that all human beings are a part of. Uh, I taught at a Bible camp a couple summers ago, and I got to teach on angels, and it was particularly difficult because I felt like, I felt like some of these Bible people were so solid and fine and, and firm in believing in the Bible, uh, and they were intense, they were super intense about the Bible, but this angels and, and demons and spiritual warfare stuff, to them it wasn't unbiblical, it was just weird. It was just weird, and they're like, okay, Brian, this isn't unbiblical, but let's just talk about something maybe a little bit more helpful or pertinent or, or things like that. Now, that was at least the vibe that I, I got from, from some of those people, but the thing is, I'm a Bible guy, and, and we're a Bible church, and the starting point for this church, the starting point for, for me is that the Bible is true, and the Bible is clear when it's talking about what's really going on. It's true and it's clear when talking about what's really going on. We are in a massive, cosmic, invisible, spiritual war. Not only is the Bible clear, 
Uh, but the Bible is, is helpful. We're in a spiritual battle, and the Bible has not only told us how to stand in this battle, how to survive in this battle, but also how to thrive and to be victorious. So many, we get so many glimpses of, of this uh, all throughout the pages of the Bible. From Genesis, there's lots about this. In Revelation, there's lots about this. Um, all these books, Jesus' interactions, the book of Acts, Paul's letter, or the, the letters in the New Testament, books like Job and Isaiah, and, and, and I mean, all, like all through the Bible we're talking about this. When Paul writes in Ephesians 6, a lot of times we go back to this when we're dealing with spiritual war because Paul hits it right on the head. It's just so there's no confusion. He says it as directly and clearly. He describes your life as directly and clearly, your reality as directly and clearly as he can. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For because... Our battle is not against flesh and blood, people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Paul is just laying out, this is what's really going on. The spiritual battle is real. It's entirely biblical. And this battle, this war, impacts your life every day. It's impacting your life every day. It impacts every single relationship in your life. From closest relationship to distant relationships, people that maybe you haven't met but you, but you know about, your, this spiritual war impacts every single relationship. And we're going to talk about that today, but first a story. I was, I've always believed in the existence of, of angels and demons in the great spiritual war, but in 2010, my theology became my reality. And my reality started to impact my everyday. And this is what happens, <laughs> happened. I was at a missionary conference uh, sitting next to my wife, Kelly, and we're, we're there in Malaysia, and it was a breakout missionary, um, it was a breakout session at this missionary conference led by Barry and Mary Kissel. And at the end of the session, Barry was going to do some prayer ministry and, and healing ministry for the people. And he says to the group, he says, and there's a lot of us missionaries just in this room. And, and he says, okay, if anybody's hands are hot right now, then I want you to come up for prayer. And I lean over to my wife, Kelly, and I'm like, my hands are on fire. Let's get out of here. <laughs> let's go to lunch early. Let, 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 let's get out of here. And, and she's like, okay, if, if that's what you want. Now, this is a side note. It's amazing how easily and quickly we can miss the most life-changing moments. Because we feel uncomfortable. Because we feel like some, maybe it's, it's weird. Or maybe because we feel just afraid. And we can miss some of the most powerful moments in, in our lives. And that, that almost happened to me. Well, I, I knew that I shouldn't run away, um, even though everything inside of me at this moment was like, get out of here. Everyone's watching. These people kind of know who you are. They know who you are, but they don't, they don't know you very well. And, and yet I was, had all these fears going on about going up for prayer because I've never had to go up for prayer before. I mean, we go back for prayer, right? And, and, but going in front of all these people. And, and, I, and I got up and I, I kind of made my way to the front of the room. And, and if I had 
known what was about to happen, I, wouldn't, I would have run. I would have run. But, but instead, I went, I went forward, and, and I found uh, myself standing in front of Sam, who uh, happens to be the, the president of our mission organization. And Sam asked me, okay, Brian, can I pray for you? What do you want prayer for? And so as he started praying for me, something like, you know, Holy Spirit, come. Just like starting, all of a sudden, in, in front of these people, I'm choking. I am just completely, completely choking. It was like these hands are around my throat. And to make a long story short, a, a story that you would probably prefer me not to make short, for the next 45 minutes, I had several new experiences in my life. I fell over. And I'm pretty sure in my past, I, I thought that was a little bit weird. And I might have made comments in my younger years about that taking place. But I, 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 that happened to me. Uh, I felt this choking sensation in my throat, fighting against Sam's praying and, 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 and his, in his words, his declaration. And yet slowly over this period of time, this choking and feel, sensation going slowly, I mean, slowly, slowly, slowly up my throat until finally... Um, out, out of my mouth until that squeezing, uh, choking pressure was, was gone. And if you're like, okay, what was going on there? Were you possessed? Was our pastor possessed? Uh, that is not how I would describe it. However, uh, what I would say is that a demon of fear had been tormenting my life for ages, and I had no idea that I had been tormented, that I had been harassed, that I had strongly, uh, that, that a demon of fear had a strong grasp on, on my life. And, and, and as a result, I was ensnared, harassed, and entirely beat up by this. So I've been tormented for years, and I didn't know it, but um, before 2010, when I used to be preaching here, I mean, maybe not in this building, but as a pastor of this church, I, I had to deal with strong terror in, in, um, in, in teaching. And I used to walk back and forth in, in the back of the room, like trying to muster the courage to, to get up in front and talk and just being terrified. And, and you know, we are we're no longer a slave of fear. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's me. Uh, and then, and then I, I would... I would uh, finally, you know, get, get the courage to, to go and preach. And I had also this, like, constant pain in this one point in my back, on like, kind of middle of the back, slightly to the right, a constant pain there for years. And the second I experienced this deliverance moment, that pain was gone, and it's not been back. And, and there was this, that, that piercing fear pertaining to ministry was broken, and there was increased peace. Now, do I have perfect peace? Do I? No, I don't have perfect peace. Do I still have anxiety places in my life? Yes, I still have anxiety places in my life. But it was a massive breakthrough in peace in my life, specifically uh, pertaining to ministry and teaching. Absolutely, like incredible, incredible breakthrough. Just want to clarify, I was a Christian. I was pastor here for five and a half years. By that point, I had even cast some demons out of some other people, but there was something about personally experiencing the impact of being rescued, of being delivered from a spiritual battle that I had been losing, and yet I had no idea that I was fighting or that I was being impacted by. I thought it was just me. I thought it was just me. I thought that it was just normal, public speaking fear stuff going on. I, I thought the back pain was just normal, but actually it was a work of the enemy trying to stifle, 
me, trying to discourage me, and trying to, to wear me out with fear until I would finally just quit and give up and do something less terrified, uh, terrifying and something easier. Now, I wonder, I, I, I wonder if there's anything in your life that you might think of as just normal, that just normal, but actually that might be a work of the enemy who in this great spiritual war we're in is trying to keep you from becoming the mighty man or woman of God that God is, has called you to be. Maybe some lies. Maybe some lies that you believe that keep you from speaking. Maybe from ad- some addictions that you're, you're hooked in that you think are just normal, but they've kept you stuck in, in guilt and, and not confidence with God. Uh, maybe some physical pain that you're suffering, and, and, and you understand that there's, there's reasons that, that you have this physical pain or, or whatever. Maybe there's reasons you have this psychological um, challenges or, or, or fears or, or whatever's going on with you. But so often there, there are deeper whys. There's deeper whys than just the explanations that, that we have. Why was I so afraid of teaching? Well, it's natural to be afraid of public speaking. And um, my personality type, I don't like to look stupid. Uh, I know there's personality It seems to me that there's personality types that like to look stupid. <laughs> no names. Uh, but mine, I am entirely not that type. I do not want to look stupid. And, and, and so I can see, okay, there's, there's natural reasons why, why I would have extra fear, maybe more than, than some people. But the thing is... There was a deeper why for me. There was a deeper why. There was a demonic attack on me to take some natural tendencies and make them worse so that my joy, my confidence, my joy in serving God was robbed. The potential longevity of my teaching ministry would be, would be shortened. The enemy was trying to shorten my teaching ministry. When we talk about spiritual warfare... Well, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of great definitions out, out there. But basically what we're talking about is this. We're talking about that unseen battle where Satan and, and his fellow demons are intentionally trying to destroy, corrupt, twist, and break everything that God's made good with a special focus on people. With a special focus on, on people. Every single one of you is fully immersed. Fully immersed in this epic spiritual war, whether you realize it or not. Uh, you're personally more, impact, more impacted than you probably believe because the enemy is so sneaky about this. And yet there's more that you can do about it than you probably take advantage of day to day. So again, time short. So this is what we're going to focus on. I'm going to talk about three spheres of, of spiritual warfare and then three tools that we've been given to, to navigate um, and have the victorious upper hand when it comes to engaging in the spiritual battle. As, and these tools are differently applied in different spheres. Basically, there's three spheres. We're going to put them on the screen real quickly, but then we're going to, go back, we're going to come back to them so you don't have to freak out about not getting them all down. But basically, there's three spheres where I see a need for different prayer strategies, different prayer approaches 
as we engage in the spiritual war. And the three spheres are basically yourself and what's going on in you and, um, and, and to you. And then there's everything under your uh, authority, everything that's been entrusted to you by God, uh, everything under your leadership, everything under your oversight. And then there's everything bigger than what's been specifically entrusted to your leadership and, and oversight. So there's three different uh, kinds of spheres, and we're going to talk about more in a second. But, but it's really important to know what, what sphere you're, you're working in as you're engaging in, in, spiritual, uh, in the spiritual conflict, especially through prayer. Because it impacts how you approach it, how you address it, uh, different spheres, different prayer strategies, different prayer methods, okay? using the tools that God's given us. Now, these tools that God's given us are, are these. First of all, Jesus has given you, if you are in Christ, he's given you spiritual authority. He's given you spiritual authority. Again, different levels of authority based on what sphere you're talking about, or maybe different applications of authority based on what sphere you're talking about. Basically, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, I have all authority. Uh, all authority has been given to me. Uh, we, have we, we have lots of authority, but we don't have all authority. Um, we have, Jesus has all authority, and we have authority when we're on Jesus' work and mission, like from, from him. And we'll talk more about that in a second. A second. But Jesus has all authority, and so we have authority based on we've been sent by Jesus on his work, based on the fact that we're human beings, and we, we're not going to have time to talk about this, but humans have been given authority here on this earth, and there's, a, there's a, been a battle and deception going on about that, but we have that as human beings. And also we're in Christ. We're new creation beings. We've been, we're adopted children of God. We have the Holy Spirit within us. We, there's, there's lots going on there when it comes to, to authority. And so as Holy Spirit-filled beings who are in Christ, who are on the mission of Christ, as we pray or speak or act in alignment with the Father or in alignment, in alignment with the will of God, we carry huge amounts of authority. It's like this. My, my daughter, Emma, um, she's, she's asked me to talk more about her, so I'm going to just start today. Uh, <laughs> Um, my, uh, so this, let's say my, let's say I, 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 so I have a daughter, Emma, right? And so let's say I need to communicate something to Stefan. And I say, Emma, can you, can you go and, and have Stefan quick make this, this change? Because I'm going to do something a little bit differently on the, in the message. And can you just communicate this change to Stefan? Now, so she, she goes up to Stefan. Now, my daughter has no authority to tell Stefan what to do at all. And I just want to reiterate that, Stefan. <laughs> no authority. She has zero authority. Zero authority, okay? But it's, it's different when she comes on my behalf and she says, my dad or my father um, is asking if you could do this. It, it just comes, it's entirely different because it, it, it has my, my authority. It's not based on her or who she is or, or her, it's based on me and what she's representing. And when it comes to spiritual authority, your spiritual authority uh, in the war is based on your connection to God, yes, when you are implementing what he wants done. So Emma always has a connection with me, but she only gets that authority to, talk, to, to make that comment to Stefan when she's implementing what I've communicated with her that, that I want done. And Jesus, you see this all through Jesus' ministry. I'm listening to what the Father, I, I know what the Father wants, I'm doing what the Father wants, wants done. 
That's how he operated. So as a son or a daughter of God, filled with the Spirit of God in Christ and, and with all that authority, when you're speaking and when you're praying and when you're, when you're declaring things in line with God's will that you have received from him, that you, you know from him, then you have the power and backing and authority of heaven behind you because you're implementing what heaven wants done. Okay, so, um, when Sam was praying for me in 2010, he wasn't just praying as, uh, as Sam, but he was praying, God wanted me free from that grip of demonic fear. And so he had that authority to, to bring about what God wanted done as he worked on behalf of what, it, what the Father wanted. Okay, so spiritual authority, that's one piece. And again, that's a whole message series there, so, uh, but we're going to keep going. The second piece is the armor of God. Armor of God. We are able to put on the armor of God, and this takes this makes a drastic, a drastic difference in our ability to be effective and to stand strong in this spiritual war. By the armor of God, I'm talking about Ephesians chapter six again, back to where Paul just hits it on the head and he says, This is what's important. And in Ephesians 6, he, he writes about the armor of God and, and he says, He says, Stand in verse 14, Ephesians 6, stand therefore with truth, with truth like a belt around your waist righteousness, righteousness, like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness, readiness for the gospel peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith, faith, and with it, you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. Okay, now, Again, that, that's a whole message series, and, and I've been thinking about doing a message series on that for, for a long time. Let's vote. Should we do that? No, we're not going to vote. We don't vote here. Anyways, uh, but I've been, thinking, I've been considering a, a whole series on this because this is, this is big stuff. This is big stuff. But in short, all I, all I have time to say today is it, when you live and stand in truth, for instance, when you stand in truth and you don't accept the lies, when you don't believe the lies about yourself or the lies about other people in your life, you believe lies about other people in your life and that impacts your relationship. When you're, when you're standing in truth and you understand who you are and who you've been made to be, who you really are as, as God's loved and precious uh, child and, and, and all this, you're going to be more mighty in the spiritual battle as you stand in truth. No, this is really what's going on. This is really what, what God, as you're standing in truth, um, when, you're, when you're standing in lies, then you start to get weak, and you're like, oh, my prayers don't matter. My, my, my prayers don't, don't make a difference. God's probably not listening to me. He, he probably doesn't care as much about me as he does this other person. And, and you can just see, as you, as you buy into lies and you move away from truth, you just become weaker in the spiritual battle. And there, there's lots of, I mean, there's lots more to say about that. That's a very shallow um, version of that. But you got truth, you got righteousness. Righteousness, again, James 5, the prayers of the righteous are powerful in their effect, or powerful and effective. Living with integrity, living with godliness, saying no to sin, saying no to compromise. It makes you mighty and less open to being just bombarded by the enemy's attack. So you, you, look at, you look at pornography or something like that, and you just expose yourself to all kinds of beat up by the enemy. He's just going to flood, flood your life with guilt and defeat, and, and, and you're not going to be, uh, be mighty. Um, if, you, if, you, if you're out of control with your anger, 
and you use anger or rage or violence or, or anything, anything inappropriate with, with anger, you are opening yourself up to, to the enemies of blasting of you, and you're going to become weak and, and weaker in this battle. Um, if you... If you're lying, if you're deceiving, if you're if you're if you're if you're just spreading false truths or things like that or gossip, it's just making you weaker. It's gonna it's exposing you to the enemy's attack and just um, blasting you. Whereas living a godly life, a righteous life, it's it's like armor around you, where the enemy is less able to get at you because you are less in partnership with him. I can't. I just. I'm going to keep going, but there's, you know, readiness and faith and all that kind of stuff. The enemy wants your faith low. And he wants your, sorry, he wants your faith, he, yeah, the enemy wants your faith low, but uh, God is so clear that you have every reason for highest, highest faith. All these things, the armor of God things, they, they make you mighty in the, in the battle and less open to being just blown up and, and being ineffective and, un, and unproductive for God's kingdom. So that's, that's another tool there, the, the armor of God, spiritual authority, armor of God. And thirdly, we have specific sphere strategies, specific sphere strategies for successfully engaging in the spiritual battle in, in each of the spheres. And again, I talked about these, yourself, things under your authority, things, things um, over, things that, are above, like, that you don't necessarily naturally have authority over. And I, I want to kind of give some examples and talk through these spheres and maybe give some examples of appropriate praying uh, and appropriate, yeah, praying in, in each of these spheres, just so you have some ideas. And for some of you, this is good review and it's a refresher course. And for some of you, it's, it's going to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to add this to, my, to, to how, I, how I live and how I engage in this battle. So first of all, um, the sphere of yourself and what's going on in you and to you. How to engage in that. No one has more authority over you than you. No one has more authority over you than you, not the enemy, uh, not, 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 not anyone. God is not going to violate your, your free will. No one has more authority over you than you. And so let's say you find yourself, like I did in 2010, realizing that, that there is an attack against your life right there, and, and a demonic attack. The most powerful way, by far... To find victory, by far, when you realize that you might be under a spiritual attack, is to have a couple people who understand this stuff praying for you. And there's lots of reasons why having someone else pray for you, even though you have a more authority over you than you, it's because they're bringing in faith, they're bringing in a lot of pieces to, to this, to this an agreement and all that kind of stuff. But because you have authority, so in 2010, Sam, I went up there and Sam asked me, can I pray for you? Now, that's huge because there's then permission given for Sam to exercise prayer authority over me. And it's not just implied. He said, can I pray for you? If you go up to somebody, you can say, can, will you pray for me? And in that, you're giving, you're giving permission for people to, to pray with you with more, more authority. When we pray for people from a distance who we don't have permission to pray for, we do want to do that. And we're going to talk about intercession and, and all that kind of stuff. But if they haven't given you if they haven't asked you to pray for them in their situation, then you're praying at a different level of authority than when you actually have an invitation to pray for someone. That's just throwing that out there. Um, if you go up to prayer ministry here, I, I hope that in some way you're able to say out loud, whether it can be heard or not because of the awesome music, uh, 
will you pray for me? Or if they say, can I pray for you? That yes, you can pray for me. That's, that's hugely important because no one has more authority over you than you do. Uh, another of my common practices when it comes to praying about my situation, and it's not, it's, it's not as powerful as having someone else pray for you, but I, I find a lot of help from it. Um, I've, I've told this story before because it happened. It was just such a, a weird moment for me. Uh, I'm home. I'm looking out my window, and I find myself discontent and wanting more. I've mentioned this before. Uh, It's not normal for me, and that's probably why I I clocked it, what was going on pretty quickly. Um, But but it happened, and and all of a sudden I'm like, hey, I am being tempted by the enemy in the area of greed, loosely in the area of greed. And so because I have lots of authority over myself, and and this one isn't deeply embedded in me, I can just say, in the name of Jesus and, and with the authority of Jesus, I belong to Jesus. Jesus purchased me by his own blood, and I say, I command the spirit of greed to get away from, to stop harassing me, to get out of here, to get out, to stop, to stop and, and to be gone in the name of Jesus, to get out of my house and, and all that. I belong to Jesus, leave me alone. Praying something along those lines. And, and I can do that. Very often, in times of stress, I will feel temptation coming on, as, as I, at least a couple of you do, uh, in times of stress. And, and I've been tempted by lots of things, lots of things, not everything. Praise God. Isn't it great that you've not been tempted by everything it's possible to be tempted by? I mean, it's hard enough, right? Uh, you're just this 30% of things, you know, that's, that's, that's more than enough. But, but anyways, um, so tempted, and temptation isn't a bad thing. It's, it's, it's not a fun thing, but it's not a bad thing. What, what matters is what we do in those moments of temptation. And oftentimes I stand strong, but, but not always. And, and after I sin, <laughs> I know some of you are like, wait, what? Is Brian seriously implying that he doesn't always stand strong? Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes I, I do mess up. And you know, it's like, man, at least once a year or more. Uh, <laughs> often a lot more. Um, but let's say I've, I've sinned and I'm really upset about it. Or let's say you've sinned and you're really upset about it. There's two things that you want to do, not just one. And we talk a lot about one thing, but we don't talk a lot about the second thing. And they're both pretty significant, especially when you're talking about the spiritual war that's going on around you and in you. The first thing is the repentance bit, where you're like, God, I agree with you. And I, I feel, I, I, I agree, I messed up. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I've, I've sinned, I've fallen short, I've, I've not done right, and I commit to realigning my life with how you want me to live, to live a godly life, okay? That's, that's step one. We talk about that. But there's two things. And the second thing deals with the spiritual, potential spiritual warfare reality. Either, or potentially, the, the part of the stuff behind moving into actively sinning is having been lied, deceived, or or uh, tempted by something demonic, so, some, something of the devil's work. Um, I, I don't always, I'm not, I, I feel like there's enough uh, lame and ungodly in me that I don't always need help uh, to, to sin. But let's say that sometimes there is temptation there. And a lot of times the, the enemy's bringing a temptation there. And so I, I would want to pray about that. And not just say, I agree, God, that I was wrong, but also say, um, you know, if, if there's a spirit of well, greed, or, or it could be anything, it could be anything like fear. I mean, you, you know your situations, fear or jealousy or lust or pornography or addictions of all kinds or murder or lying or violence or adultery or idolatry or deceit or whatever. So again, whatever the sin is, you would say, okay, 
if this is harassing me, then, then leave me alone in the name of Jesus. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Stop bothering me. But then because you've sinned, you have, you've partnered, you've agreed with the enemy's way and not heaven's way. And so you have what the Bible describes as um, a foothold. A foothold in your life where the enemy now has a way to grab onto you and keep tempting you in that area or to keep harassing you in that area. And the more that you agree and you sin in the same ways, the stronger that grip is. And so when you confess your sin, you also need to say, okay, I, I, I break off this foothold in the name of Jesus. I, 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 enemy, you, you have to let go and, and I belong to Jesus and I, I claim the forgiveness of Jesus and, and the blood of Jesus and all that kind of stuff. And you, you want to break off that enemy's grip that he establishes. Even if you, if you just sin in one way, one time, you start to give the enemy a, a grip in that way and you want to repent and deal with the spiritual stuff behind there. Okay, we're going to just keep going. <laughs> uh, that's just easy sphere to talk about because it's you and, and you, have, you have all this authority in Jesus to rebuke the enemy's attack and to, to claim the work of Jesus over you in your life and, and to see breakthrough and to get help and to ask people to help you and put on truth and righteousness and the armor of God and things like that. So that's, that's one sphere, you, yourself. The second sphere is everything entrusted to you and your leadership and oversight. Uh, this could be anything from the flat that I live in. This could be anything from, you know, like my wife and kids, the people I oversee at work, uh, the church I have leadership in, the, even the, the ho hotel room that I stayed in uh, and last weekend when we were in Belfast. Like, like there's different levels of, of authority based on things that have been entrusted to you. Now, I have authority over my flat that I don't have over your flat. It's your flat. On my flat, I've signed papers. My name's on the papers. I, I, have, I have a contract. I have agreement. Like the flat is, is under my, my, my authority. So I can walk through my flat. And I can, I can say, you know, I, I take authority over this flat. I give, this flat belongs to me. I give it to Jesus. And I, I say, you know, if there's any unclean spirit here in this room, uh, be gone in the name of Jesus. And, and I can invite the angels of God to come in and, and, and minister to my family and my home and to do good things. I have no idea. My, my flat is 100 and, I don't know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. I have no idea what's taking place in, in my flat over, over the years. And, and so, but now it's mine. And, and so I can, I can clean house because I have authority over this. It's a little bit different in a hotel room. Um, I don't own the hotel room. I get to just use it. I have a contract to use it for that day. And so I might engage that battle differently. Instead of trying to clear house, I have no idea what's happened in this hotel room, I can say, well, okay, as long, I, I, have, a, I have the agreement to be in this room today, tonight. And so, and I do this pretty much every time I go into a, a hotel room. Usually, and if Kelly's there, usually when she's in the bathroom, just so that I didn't, I don't look, because I don't want to look weird. Uh, it's, it's one of my values. Uh, and so I'll just be like, you know, I take authority over this hotel room in the name of Jesus. And, and if there's any unclean spirit here or, or every unclean spirit that's here, and instead of casting them out, I'm not sure I have the authority to do that or want to really engage in that battle, but I will bind them in the name of Jesus and I'll say, okay, you go up into that top of that wardrobe or that corner up there and you're not allowed to bother me, harass me, or do anything to, to, to me or my wife or my kids or whatever is going on whilst I'm here until I check out. Then you're free to 
get back to your thing. Um, but like, and I'll do that, and, and I'll do that, and then I'll invite the angels of God to come in and minister to me while I'm in this place. Now, some of you know how important that is to me because you've heard me talk about my travel anxieties, and so it's a, it's a really big deal to me. Um, again, so that just being aware of different levels of authority between my flat and, and a hotel room. Um, my daughter, I think I want to talk about her more because she's asked me to. Uh, my daughter, Emma, uh, she, she had some severe sleep, sleep issues a few years ago. And lots of fear. Now, she's my daughter, so she's under my scope of leadership and, and, and authority. I'm her father, so I get to pray not only over her room for the peace of God to be here, for any spirit of fear to be gone from her room in the name of Jesus, uh, but I can also pray over my daughter, who is my daughter, and, and, and ask for, the, just call it, say, in the name and authority of Jesus, uh, Spirit of fear, leave, stop harassing my, I forbid you from harassing my daughter in the name of Jesus, in the authority of, of Father and as I am in Christ and, and all that kind of stuff. So I can pray with authority over my, my daughter. Now, I can do this for our church as an elder here, and, and we get to see all about elders' authority in, in the Bible. But you, so if you lead a Bible group in this church, you have a domain of authority, from, from the eldership and, and from staff, eldership and, and Jesus. And you've, you've got the ability there to be asking as a Bible group leader for God's work to be done in a, in a little bit different way than you're just, if you're just a part of a Bible group. When you're leading it, you have a little bit of a, a scope of authority. If, you're, if you supervise people for a job, you have a little bit more of authority. I mean, one of the messages that blew my mind, okay, I wrote it and, and, and studied it, but... <laughs> But I learned uh, from it, and I don't know, I, I learned from myself. Um, good work, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, was this message that I taught on, on Paul and Sergius Paulus back in the, in the Paul series, and thinking about um, what the significance of Sergius Paulus, the head of this whole massive area, coming to Jesus and basically with that authority, letting um, Jesus be about his work in his area of authority and watching the gospel take off in Paul's first missionary journey in that region only. Um, but anyways, it's that idea of like what's been entrusted to you and you have special authority to, to pray and ask God to, to work in that area. Okay, you've got extra authority to pray and seek God to intervene in all the areas under your authority. Okay. Okay, we're out of time, but I'm going to keep going. Uh, thirdly, everything bigger than what's been specifically entrusted to you. This could be your city. This could be your, your, uh, your church, if you're not in leadership of it. This could become, as you're praying for the city, it could be things like division in our city or alcoholism in our city or violence or sexual morality, gambling addictions, anything like that. Now, these are big things in your city. Now, I am not the um, Lord Provost of Glasgow, if I was, I could pray for our city differently. But I'm a part of this city, and, it's, and that pray for a city is, is a little bit different because it's, it's, it's not so obvious that I have that same sort of authority. So I'd encourage you, there's a book called um, Needless Casualties of War by John Paul Jackson. And in that book, it describes the, the delicacies of praying for things that aren't obviously under your authority. And my, my brief counsel to you today, when you, when you find yourself praying for your city, uh, and, and if, especially if you're not in leadership in the city, is to, instead of saying, okay, this demonic work of division or violence in our city, you know, I, I, I 
break you off in the name of Jesus or something like that. Instead of going directly to war like that, instead, be inviting God, be inviting in the angels of God and, and the Spirit of God to be doing the opposite. So one of the major works of the enemy in our city is division. So instead, you might be like, instead of going against division, you may be like, God, I pray for a spirit of unity in my city. I want you to, to bring unity and love and, and joy and peace into my city instead of, and, and you're praying in the good, in, that's, that's the opposite of the negative that the enemy is wanting to bring in. And I kind of view it as like a, a, a glass um, that we're poor, we want to see more of God poured into our city so there's less room for the enemy and the enemy stuff gets kind of pushed out. At least that's kind of how I think about when I'm, when I'm praying for, for God's goodness to come in. Um, but anyways, blessing the city with good things and praying in good things. Um, okay. Oh, my goodness. So if you're new here or visiting, hello, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> glad you're here. Uh, glad you're here. I really am. Uh, now, for some of you, this message was a, a bit too much too quick. I, I, I get it. I, I understand. If that's the case with you, my, all I want you to do is if, to start simple and get your house in order. Get, your, get yourself in order. And if this all seemed a lot, then just start with you and you'd be like, okay, God, I want to start, I want to put on truth. I'm going to start working on the truth, the armor of God. I'm going to start getting righteousness. I'm going to start walking in obedience. I'm going to start building, putting on the armor of God. And I want to start getting people to pray for me that areas where I feel like God or the enemy might have footholds in my life for those to be broken off so that I can walk in freedom. Freedom and truth and righteousness. Just start by getting your, your house in order. If, if, you're more, if you know a lot more about this stuff, and, and uh, I know that we blitzed a lot of different uh, examples there, I want to just remind you to be praying over your homes. And maybe you've done that once or, or twice, but keep doing that. Um, praying over your families, praying, praying for our church and our city in those appropriate ways. Just inviting God's work into our church, inviting God's work into our cities. Now, usually I have some challenges, but um, today, three possible next steps. Next step, number one, again, Ephesians 6, just going through that, praying through the armor of God, and, and just thinking about each bit and asking God to, to help you grow in these areas. Ephesians 6. And for those of you who are already praying for bigger things, just reading Needless Casualty of War by John Paul Jackson, it's a great, great practical wisdom to, yeah, to, to keep us from a lot of pain. For the mature, and the elders in our church read this book, uh, I Give You Authority by Charles Craft. And now I say if you're mature, give it, give it a read because there's a lot in there that I'm not quite yet even comfortable with sometimes. Uh, but we read it because it is, it's so anchor when it comes to understanding authority and implementing, especially as elders, implementing God's authority in this church. And so um, it has different chapters with different spheres and yeah, so if, if you're more mature and you're ready, you think you're ready for it, then I suggest that.